0: Matthew 25. Jesus is talking here. How I many of us written in red? It's extra special. The Son of God is talking here and he... He begins to talk to us in a parable. And I want to read this scripture and then preach to you a word. Chapter 25 and verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamb and went forth to meet their bridegroom, meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry, that was made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps have gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And when they went out to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open this door unto us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh today I preached a message entitled turn the lights back on father I ask that you would anoint this message father you would give us a wake-up call continue to stir up the faith that is inside of us help us God to open our eyes to see what is going on in this world but more importantly order our steps so that we can make a difference In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, move out of my mouth and into the hearts of men and women today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We really can't talk about faith on fire until we talk about how to get on fire. Many, many people don't like when you preach about the blood, and they don't like when you preach about going to heaven. Because the reality is, is if you're going to hear about a rapture or a second coming, the reality is that there may be some things left undone in our hearts that we are unsure of, will we make it to heaven? How many can answer the question and have said before in your heart, man, I hope I can make it to heaven? How many have ever said that in the course of your life? I hope I'm ready. Wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. There are times in our life that we feel unsure or uncertain. And the reason we feel unsure or uncertain is something called sin. Amen. Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not candy coat it. But there are people even in church today that if we don't get our act together and the bridegroom comes... Will our light still be burning? Here's what I know about this scripture. Ten virgins are in this scripture. All of them pure. Young ladies who were friends of the church. Friends of the bride. This was not the bride. These were the friends of the bride. Can I tell you, you can be friends of the church but not be the church. You can go to church and, not, and still not be saved. Number two, what I heard, is that all virgins had a lamp. All ten of them left with a lamp. However, five were smart enough to pack a little more oil just in case he, just in case he tarried. Five brought extra oil and five did not. Here's something else that I understand. Salvation is instantaneous. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you become saved. However, sanctification is a process that happens after salvation. It is subsequent. You are made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ, but in order to stay righteous, you gotta stay with some oil in your lamp. Somebody say, Amen. The Bible specifically says, whether we want to agree with it or not, or our doctrine, our theology, what we were taught as a kid, that once saved, always saved, the Bible gives us many examples in the New Testament of people who fell from grace. You can fall from grace. We as the Bible cannot do as what God spoke of as a dog returning to his own vomit. We cannot as a people of God continue to condone and not confront. We have to understand that we are living in the last days and if we're not careful we will live in a day of compromise and compromise always leads to darkness. If we have an, an an idea of what's going on in the church, there is a spiritual erosion that is happening. Erosion is not something you see on a daily basis. It's something you see over a period of time. Many times you will go to a place of vacation and you will see that the sandbar was here And come back five years later and find out that the sandbar had been moved because the water had continued to erode the sand. Houses have to be moved back because there is an erosion process. And sometimes we don't see the erosion, but the erosion is still happening. Are you okay with this? Erosion has set in. Whether you want to agree with it or not, erosion has set in to the church in America and pretty much around the world. We have more tolerance for sin and we call it grace. We do not confront or call out sin as preachers in America today because we're afraid of persecution not just of the world but other preachers and pastors who may not agree what what grace really means on the earth today. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is not a license to lust. Grace is not a license to lie or to hate. God is still God. Sin is still sin. Lust is still lust. Lying is still lying. Just like cancer is still cancer. Grace was not there to continue us in sin. Grace was to help us to get out of sin. But what we are seeing in the church today is nobody really is paying attention to the erosion and what is happening to the church today. We notice it but we don't stand or do anything about it. It's time for the body of Christ to stand in the midst of persecution in the midst of adversity and say this is what we stand for hell is still hot, there is still a heaven and there is still a bridegroom that is coming somebody turn the lights back on Paul alluded to a man named Demas that was a friend in the ministry he was a preacher but the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4 and 10 that Demas departed from him and departed from the faith so we understand that he was once in the faith, but he turned away from the faith. 1 John 2, 15 says, love not the world. Because if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Demas and 2 Timothy four ten, Paul tells Timothy... Demas, the problem with Demas is the reason he left and departed him was because he loved the pleasure of this present world. There is stuff in this world, ladies and gentlemen, that will put a hook in you and make you serve it if you allow your flesh to be given to it. Somewhere, you've got to draw a line and say, I don't walk according to the flesh, but I walk according to the Spirit of the Lord. Something that was an eye-opener just this past week was the world put on a great show called the Grammys. They use the Grammys, and it's interesting that they say it all the time, music is a strong force. Music is uh, uh, what we have as an ability to make a point to the world. I think it's interesting to note before Lucifer fell that he was the praise and worship leader and the music director in heaven. When he breathed, pipe organs sounded out. He walked in cymbals. He, He had music in him. And when he fell from heaven to earth, I think it's interesting to note that one of the strongest forces for change is still music. And so music was created holy, but the devil corrupted it. And so we find different forms and traditions of music, one of which is rap, in which I love rap, but Macklemore, if I said his name right, got up in the Grammys using his voice as an agent of change and using church etiquette to try to blur the line between the world and of God. And if we're not careful, we'll sit and watch it and agree with it and love it and go to church on Sunday And most people won't preach against it because now it's being called a hate crime but one thing we find out in acts that when they preached about this Jesus they were thrown in prison and if we're not careful we'll try to appease the world at the same time trying to appease God you cannot impress the world and please God at the same time Somewhere you gotta draw a line and say, This is what I stand for. Devil, I rebuke you. Somebody turn the light back on on your lamp. Macklemore begins to. Use church etiquette and stained glass figures. And he begins his song with an, a B3 organ that you would find in a Pentecostal church. He begins to stick in people's minds and camouflage it by saying same love. Uses words like God loves all his children. And it's somehow forgotten. But we paraphrase a book written 3,500 years ago. I don't know. No law is going to change us. And here is where he is right. We have to change us. Whatever God you believe in, we all come from the same one. Strip away the fear. Underneath, it's all the same love. About time we raised up. And then he quotes the scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is patient. And then somebody sings, there'll be no crying on Sundays. He's exactly right. Because if you don't have any crying on Sundays, that means there's no repentance in the house of the Lord. I'd rather cry on Sunday So I can be saved on Monday. And go to heaven if he tarries till Tuesday. But one thing I'm not going to do is raise up an empathetic, super passive church that wants to stick our head in the sand when the world tells us you can still serve God and still do the things of the world. A sign of no weeping is a sign of no repentance. Repentance creating a ceremonial moment where Queen Latifah stands up, marries 30 gay and straight couples, creating a moment that not just the gays, but also the straight, we all must come together. And all the while, the lights are turning down in our lamps. Look at your neighbor and say, I hope you packed enough oil to stay the trip. to make protein drinks. I like to get a blender out. I like to put some ice in the blender. Then I put some strawberries in the blender. And I put some bananas in the blender. A scoop of protein. And a scoop of peanut butter. Every once in a while, if I'm not fasting, a big old scoop of vanilla yogurt. And I look at that blender, and you know what I see in that blender? I see ice, strawberries, I see peanut butter, bananas, chocolate, protein powder, and then I hit the button called blend, and sit there for a while until it's all together. Then I pour it out, and I'll drink because I know what's in there. But every once in a while, I'll bring it to somebody who came over with Brooklyn or Lincoln, and I'll say, here, try this. And the first words that will come out of their mouth is, what's in there? When you blend something, and you try to make one thing blend with another, When you go to serve it to people, they're going to say, what's in there? The problem with not making a stand in today's society is when people come to church, they're going to ask the question, what's in there? Somewhere you got to say, this is what I stand for. This is and if you put sin and salvation together and say you can do whatever the hell you want to do and serve God and go to heaven, you're gonna cause people to be blended and sin does not blend with salvation. Neither does light blend with darkness, neither does salt blend with fresh. You gotta make a stand. Hollywood is asking us, condone, accept. The White House is asking us to condone and accept. Entertainment is asking for us to condone and to accept. And lately the churches have been asking us to condone and and accept. The word "grace" has been leveled down to really mean license. Jesus' blood has been leveled down for a license to a lust and an approval for our own flesh appetite. But I'm here to tell to tell you today that the lamb is a substitution, not a sinstitution. Jesus's blood was not so that we could continue in our sin Jesus' blood was to give us grace so that we could confront our sin and we could move away from our sin and we could do the things of God and put away the things of the world is there a sin appetite in each one of us? yes there is but can I tell you the Bible says he that overcometh the world is our faith and when you get in the faith of God you can overcome every obstacle The devil tempts you with. I've heard so much let up. Love is the answer that I can stand. Love is the answer. You have to have love. This is not a bashing of people's immoral values. This is a standing up and saying, Behold, the bridegroom is about to come. The Bible says, But at midnight, everyone fell asleep. Do you know you can go to church and fall asleep? Do you know midnight is when... Have you ever seen people that that don't hold off until midnight too well? I love my mom, but you put a movie on about 9 p.m. We all laugh at her. We look at her, and she just, and it's so funny because she'll say, I didn't miss anything. She'll wake up and say, yeah, I know what's going on. Five minutes of sleep, come back. What would I miss? Oh, I know. And if you try to convince her, Mom, you're falling asleep. No, I'm not. How many know people like that? <laughs> Mom, you're falling asleep. Uh-uh. I know what's going on. Finally, just let them go to sleep. And at the end, they say, wake up. What would you think about the ending of that movie? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Reminds me of some church folk. Amen. Just make sure you don't do it at the right, at the wrong time. Remember one time about four years ago, we were talking about reaching people, and I said, We need to love the prostitutes. And a man who fell asleep, he got up. Amen. Am I right about it? So that's the wrong time to say amen, brother. But in church, we tend to be asleep sometimes because any time we do something monotonous, we begin to do it on automatic. Come to church every Sunday. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves as you see the day approaching. You know why I believe that's the truth? It's because God will open up sin in the earth so that the true believers in Christ will say, My God, He's about to hit the open sky and we're about to see Him come back. I've got to be at church. If there's any time in your life not to miss a a gathering of people who are preaching faith in a uh, uh, non-compromising fashion. It is now. We live in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. There is nothing holding God back From causing his son to say, go get my children. The only thing is he's holding back so that others can be saved. You got a brother, you got a sister, you got a family member that you're pulling out for. Now's not the time to back down and grow weary. Now's the time to turn your prayer life up and begin to believe that God is going to cause their lambs to not run out of oil. But at midnight, everybody fell asleep. Their eyes got heavy. Jude says this. Jude says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write to you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write to you and exhort to you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, you better fight for this faith. Contestants, my father-in-law says this. Contestants and contenders are two different people. Contestant is somebody who runs in the race, doesn't care if he wins or loses, knows he don't have a chance, he's just there. But a contender is one who is either going to be first or second place, and he will contend for his bout. He will fight because he knows he's either going to be the champion or he's not going to be the champion. Jude tells the church, Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints, for there are certain men crept in the church unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Turning the grace of our God. Can I tell you what is happening to the church today? Is you can do all you want to and still get the grace you need to. Sin now is a lifestyle and accepted before God. And denying the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I read on? Verse 5 says, I will therefore put you in remembrance of how God operates. I want you to understand this is not man's operation here. This is God's operation. Man only can agree with what God has put in his word. And his word is exalted above even his name. Are you listening? Heaven and earth will it will pass away but his word abideth forever so I don't care if I disagree with the word my body my mind my spirit has to line up with it regardless of my opinion of what God should do God said I've already put my word out there and it's already what I'm going to stand by he said I watch over my word to perform them God is not a God that would lie God I'm telling you when God says something he means it and it means what it says. Whether we want to agree with him or not, it does not matter. His word is the final authority. You better get your lamps ready. He said, let me put you into remembrance of who I am. Though you knew this, how that the Lord having saved his people out of the land of Egypt, afterward afterward, destroyed them because they didn't believe. In other words... They had the salvation and then it destroyed it because of their unbelief. See, I lost half of you when I talked about once saved, always saved because you're going to have to confront some of the hell you've been doing. Listen, I ask God, why can't I just smile and tell him everything's going to be okay? God says, if you do that, I'll hold you accountable. And I'm not going to hell for anybody. I'm not going to preach it's okay and pet a sin and tell you go on out there do whatever you want to do and come back into the house of God. It's time for churches and church folk to get right with God and say, God, I will make a bold stand and declare. And the angel which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of that great day. When people tell you that hell is not real, why would a loving God send people to hell? Let me give you an understanding of that. God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves there because we reject and deny His Son. And how do we reject and deny? We can actually call His name out, Jesus, come into my heart, but do not the things that He told us to do. That means there has to be some accountability for our actions. He says, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, will make it into the kingdom of heaven. One of the most treacherous scriptures that a preacher and a pastor ought to live by is when they go to the heavens, He says, Lord, Lord, Have I not prophesied in your name? Have I not cast out devils and raised up sickness unto life? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. God is the only person that will fire you and let you keep working for him. You got to live holy. You got to live godly. And you got to live right. Verse 7, for all the people, got a little ring here in monitor two. for all the people that say, well, Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of sexual sin, there's, there's a false teaching out there that Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed only because there was no righteous in there. Abraham said if if you find one. Angel said I can't find one. Remind yourself that when he said that, Lot was still living in there. Lot was attached to the covenant. But he looked up and saw the hills green, saw the lush, awesome land of the world, and he said, I will pitch my tent towards Sodom. The moment sin becomes sin is not the temptation, but when it is conceived in the heart and then the action begins to follow. Sin is good for a season, but the end thereof is death. Please don't put your iPod in right now. Don't put the earphones in right now. I need the church of the living God to understand that the enemy wants to put your eyes toward the world. Wants you to experience the loving pleasures of the world. The Bible says that Moses, he would rather suffer the afflictions of the Hebrews than to be in the passing pleasures of sin and Pharaoh's courts. Somewhere you got to stand up, even if it means losing everything you have, and say, God, I love you more than life itself. I love you more than the money and the riches of this world. I love you more than the television that I watch. I love you more than the music that I listen to. Am I against TV? No. But am I against people that get up there and curse God and tell you to accept sin? Yes. Am I against music? No. But am I against somebody pumping music saying 55 F words every time you listen to it? Yes, I am. I'm against those who are against God. If you... the Bible says when he came down and he was asked the Holy Spirit, when some, when the man asked the angel whose side are you on, he said I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side, I'm on the Lord's side. Can I tell you what I feel like today in the midst of a weeping preacher between a broken altar and people who don't listen, I feel like that angel today and say I'm not on your side, I'm not on their side, I'm on God's side today. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 7. Put it up on the screen if you could please. If you don't be men. And stand up. And stop sinning. Well I don't sin. I just masturbate. the same feeling you get after you're done. It's the same feeling every sinner gets after they're done. It's a shame. Women too. Well, Oprah said it's okay. I don't care if... The Queen of England said it's okay. If God didn't say it's okay. Watching what we want to watch. Doing what we want to do. Acting like a fool on Friday. And trying to get repentance on Monday. The altar was never a place you revisit every Sunday. Now, I do understand, this may be your last Sunday, but at least I'm going to get this in you. <laughs> Fornicating. Fornicating. And going after strange flesh. Just read an article yesterday about a boy in California. California. Who loved his dog so much. 18 year old boy. Married his. Golden retriever. And he said why can't I marry my dog. If you can marry man with man. And woman with woman. And they couldn't stop him because it is written in the laws of California. It says when we get to the point. You read it. Where man can marry man and woman can marry woman, then anybody can marry their dog. And then it says, God help us. The rules that were written back then have been twisted to make sure that we can have anything we want, even if it is bestiality. That young boy had a father that helped him marry his dog. And moved from California to go to Montana, which accepts the ability to have sex with animals and let him do what he needs to do. All the while, we just sticking our head in the sand, saying, Lord, just help us, God. Time is running out. And the oil, you better pack a reserve. Strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering vengeance and eternal fire. Meaning there is a hell. And there is a penalty for living in sin. Instead of patterning, we need to be proclaiming. I think the, the churches of today have gone sit down for a second you don't make me nervous <laughs> if you rolled up somebody into the hospital and the surgeon came out and said what's the matter with this man well he's got a heart attack his blood pressure's everywhere his heart is definitely his heart He's, he's, he, they took a nitroglysis, he's just, and the surgeon just looks at him for a minute and says, well, okay, we're going to roll him back there, we're going to open up his brain and do some brain surgery on him. Hmm. Sir, did you, did you hear what I said? The man has a heart condition, not a brain condition. I know, I know, I know. But right now, we need to address his, his knowledge. We need to address his, his brain. No, sir, no. I need you to work on his heart. Well, I disagree with you. I think we need to work on his head. If you love that man that was laying on the stretcher, you say, excuse me, sir, but we're checking out of here. And we're going to find a hospital that knows that this man is dealing with a heart condition. Sin is a matter of the heart. So why in church are we trying to teach you knowledge and puff you up and make you feel good about your success in life when there is a heart issue at hand? Ladies and gentlemen, there is sin and the devil that is loose on the earth today. We need God's people to get their heart right. I don't want to preach seven steps to success right now to get you more money in your bank account because you can have everything in the world and still lose your soul. Pastor, why are you preaching on homosexuality so much? Because it is a devil that is let loose in America today. Why would I go deal with brain issues if the heart issue is over here? It's not that that is a worse sin than some of the other sins. It is that it is rising and it is on the tide and it is causing people to fall away. The Bible says in the last days there will be such a great deception that even the elect, the very elect bishops and pastors and they will fall away. We're seeing it today as we speak. All the while, we go going to church. Go home, watch it on CNN and Fox Network News and say, I sure hope somebody does something. That's why this church needs people to fund it and finance and support it. Because we need to get this on the airwaves and let people know there are a generation of believers. There are people that are worried about their children raising up in this mess. And we will and can make a stand. I live in a generation today where my son and my daughter can go to school. And they can pass out condoms and getting ready to legalize weed. You got a headache, baby? Here, smoke this. Well, can I pray first? No, that's not allowed. You can smoke this and put this on if you want to have safe sex. Let me tell you what safe sex is. No sex until marriage. That's safe sex. Abstinence is safe sex. Young people, save yourself. And if you have it, go ahead and have secondary virginity and say, From now on, I'm going to make a stand. Somebody turn the lights back on. Churches, we must stop selling hope at the corner of compromise and comfort. We must stop preaching protection and start preaching prevention. To some of us, making a stand would mean to strip away a lot of our lustly pleasures. What we watch, what we say, what we do. Can I tell you, my wife and I made a stand a while back concerning what we watch and what we say. It, it, it was never comfortable for us to sit in a movie theater and watch two people go at it. But a long time ago, we said we cannot do this and preach the gospel. I don't care how many other f- preachers, how many other people we hang out and say it's okay to do this. It's just acting. If you can sit, let me, can, can I just love on you for a minute? Because the goodness of God leads to repentance. If you can sit and watch a 40 foot screen, two men making love, two men and a woman making love, a woman and a woman making love, and sit there and just say, I just enjoy the plot, I'm concerned about your salvation right now. Don't come to me asking me if I've watched The Hangover. Have you watched American Hustle? No, what I have is called ScreenIt.com. And I don't go watch a movie with my children unless I screen it first and find out how many F words it has. If it has one, we're out. If it has a GD. I know, see, some of y'all don't want to shout. That's all right. I'll preach to the drum cage. That's okay. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to sit there and let my ears of my children... Sit there and listen to GD, 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 GD. And take them to church and say, bless G, bless G, bless it. Either you're going to damn them or you're going to bless them. You need to make up in your mind, whose side are you on? Stop being a in church. We need a church to rise up. Either you're going to be hot or you're going to be cold. Am i got anybody in here that is with me that wants to be hot. Sad enough to say that some people won't even put this on television if I give it to them. You know why? Because they disagree. Even the very elect disagree. They'll ask if you've seen it or not. They just love that movie, Hangover. It's just a great hangover. Well, you look up Hangover, it's got 94 F-words, about 15 GDs. has everything in the world. And why would I want to go watch all that junk and try to go bless it? The reason why we can't get our praise on is because we got our sin on Saturday night. Well, I'll just make it in the morning. What if tomorrow don't come? What if the bridegroom comes? Can I tell you what happens? Let me tell you what happens. When we get washed in anesthesia and we're bathing in compromise, the the bridegroom, about midnight, when it's dark and everybody's tired and quiet, that's why Paul says awake for it is high time. Salvation is far nearer than we expect. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He's coming. Be prepared. Watch. This is how we ought to be. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You working, watching, and waiting. The bridegroom, not the bridegroom, but he taps on his friends. The Bible says the friends of the bridegroom go out into the streets and start crying aloud. Bridegroom hadn't come yet, Jerome. Jesus ain't come yet. But he taps people and says, Go tell my people. Go tell my people to get ready. Get ready. Go tell them. It's midnight. I'm ready. I'm ready to come back. I need you to go out. And they will go out in the streets and they start crying. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Now, some people would say, Oh, God, another wedding. The Bible says a lazy man tur- says there's a lion on the streets, and the lazy man just turns over and says, well, I hope he won't eat me. But the people in the streets in a, in a Jewish wedding had say, behold, the bridegroom cometh. And if that bear witness with you, you know what you would do? Get out of your seat, sir. And you would walk with me in the streets and say, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Amen. Come on. And they would call while they're trying to get to the virgins, which were the friends of the bride. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. You believe that? Come with me. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. All of a sudden, something begins to happen. People that have the understanding that something unexpected is about to hit the earth begin to call out and say, behold the bridegroom is coming you know what happens right before Jesus hits the earth he starts raising up some righteous radical John the Baptist uncompromising preachers that tells the church of the living God you better get your oil ready he's about to come to your house and that's what I feel like right now get your oil ready turn the lights back on Friends, you know what he calls, (laughs) I'd rather be called a friend of God. The friends of the bridegroom, he sends them out and says, tell my people. And he uses a very distinctive word. He didn't say, go out there and just talk to them. He said, cry, herald. Somewhere this preaching may not be popular. But I need you to let people know, I'm on my way. He cries out. They call out. And they get to these virgins. It's interesting, they make them virgins. Pure. 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 They were friends of the bride. Do you know there are people in church... And people that are not in church that think, if they'll just be good, everything's all right, pure, I'm going to get to heaven. As long as I walk too many old ladies across the street and, and I feed the homeless. and I. Nothing's going to get you to heaven but keeping your oil filled. Yeah. Being prepared. And when they got to the ten virgins, the Bible says that the ten woke up. Five were ready. Five were not. All ten of them trim their wick. If I had a time, I would, I would talk to you about trimming the lamp. Because when you don't trim a wick, it burns out of control. And if you want something to burn right, you've got to use the right oil. If you want something to burn at all, you cannot mix it with water. They all got up and said, we need to trim our wicks. The Problem was, five of them were not prepared. They say when somebody dies of suffocation, they go into an atmosphere where the oxygen is depleted. They try to breathe in that atmosphere realize the body shuts down and the the oxygen that's left from the blood tries to cause the body to survive. And then the body dies. They say when people die of suffocation typically it's not just a single death. Because somebody from the outside looks in at somebody who is dead and understands the situation and they go in after to save and when they get there they realize they didn't pack enough oxygen for themselves and so in trying to save that person they die and then another goes in Trying to save somebody. But because he didn't have oxygen, they die. And so you find out that when people die of suffocation, there's typically more than just one death. And so what they teach is, is if you're going to help somebody who has died of suffocation, you must purge the air before you go in To the place where they are. Do you know what I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying today? I'm raising up some friends of mine. That are purging the air of the church today. Telling people if you want the fire to burn healthy. You got to have the right amount of oxygen in the atmosphere. I don't want to run out of oxygen trying to save somebody i got to have enough oxygen for myself. And that's exactly what the virgins meant when they said, we got to have some for ourselves. You're going to have to go get your own oxygen. Do you know when he comes back, you're going to have to understand that your salvation, you're going to have to walk it out in your own fear and trembling. And before you can save anybody else, you better know that you're saved yourself. Bishop Morton would say, it'd be a bad place to be at midnight with no oil. Stand to your feet. back the day when Sodom is saying he did something right at the beginning he took oil wells and he lit those oil wells on fire how many remember that when you watched it on the news all of a sudden you see these huge oil wells that man tried their hardest to put out and they were so hard to put out why because they were tapped into an unlimited amount of oil and when they had the oil they could get the fire and every time you would watch the news in the Gulf War you'd see these big oil wells lit on fire that they took weeks to get out. Huge clouds filled the sky as a representation of these oil wells that have been set on fire. God is setting some oil wells on fire right now. You may not see them right now, but people are being set. Churches are being set on fire. Not just worship with wonders Church, other churches in Atlanta. There is oil that is flowing, and people are repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry that I made it entertainment. I'm sorry that I made church common. I just need to know that you love me, and I need you to know I love you. I want to get back to serving you, and I want to get back to saying sin is sin. And if I touch it, I'm going to die. Oh, but I don't want to die. Today's a heavy word, but you can get your oil well lit on fire like that. Today's the day. It's not a question of if the groom will come. It's a question of when the groom will come. Like I said, you can own a Bible and not be ready. The ten virgins said you can own a lamp and not be ready. And just because it's anointed... Doesn't mean it is. You got to get up underneath that oil and you got to get ready. Every head bowed, every eyes closed in this place. Revelation gives us a depiction. It says in the last days it'll be like seven churches. And he begins to speak at those seven churches. Five of the seven compromise their beliefs. And he kept saying, I'm gonna take your lamp away, I'm gonna take your place away. Ephesus, says so you, so you don't love like you used to love. Pergamos, sexual immorality. He said you dwell with Satan. Thyatira says you have sexual immorality all over. Sardis, you perform. The church of Sardis in Revelation says you perform. You really don't love me. You, you say you're alive, but you're dead. And then he also says, one that sticks out in my mind today, he says, the church of Laodicea. He says, I can't use you. I can't use you. Why? Because you're rich in need of nothing. That's scary today. That tells me we can live comfortably and God not even know our name. The cross is a place that I'm either pushing you to or pushing you away from. Never should it be comfortable to live in sin and serve God. First thing I want to do at this altar call is I want to ask somebody. Are you here and you say, God, I really, I really want to be like those five wise virgins. And I know I've been doing some stuff I don't need to be doing. I've been watching and acting. It doesn't have to be sexual. It can be a lying spirit. It can be so many things that separate us from God. I want you to understand something. I know I preached hard, but right now I want to preach love. God loves you beyond your sin. Loves you in spite of any shortcomings you have. And this altar is open to you no matter what you've done, where you come from. I'm here to confront that stuff that's been driving you, and I'm here to help you find your way. That's what a loving preacher does. Is there anybody here today, under the sound of my voice, you say, you know what, Pastor? This message has hit me, and I feel like I need to just change some things in my life. Would you lift your hand right now? All across this, I can't even count them. Just lift it really high. You're not alone. You're not alone. Lift it high. Say, God, I really need to get back to the basics of loving you. I'm not going to make this grace about lasciviousness. This, this, this body of wretched flesh wants to do so bad and I've just followed it. If that's you, come to this front right now. There are, there are many, many. Just come. Come. You'll be comforted to know that there are those that are in this place. Come quickly. Cause, please do not clap at this moment. This is a holy moment. Oil is being put back in. Now's not the time to let pride slip in. Now's not the time to allow pride to keep you in your seat. Please don't stand before Judgment Day and say, I wanted to go down there, but I was afraid of what they thought of me. Let me tell you what I think of you. I think you're an overcomer, I think you're a conqueror, and I think you defy all odds. God's going to set some people free here today. Can we just lift our hands all across this building? Keep coming right now. He loves you. 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 This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of salvation. And he loves you enough that this could be the very last time you spend time at this altar over the same thing. Lay this stuff aside. Let God meet you where you are no more struggling with that stuff I'm making a change is it you today come keep coming there's people still coming make a statement today to God don't worry about your spouse don't worry about your children actually they're gonna be blessed to see you say you know what I'm a strong enough man I'm a strong enough woman to go down there children youth teenagers hey man I, I understand it's hard at your age there's a lot of temptation, especially in the day we live in. Today, you can make it. Come. Anybody else? Saints, be praying right now. Be praying. Amen. Continue to come. Continue to come. Let's just worship as they continue to come. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you, Father. I surrender. I surrender. I give it all to you. I lay it down. I let it go. Come on, tell him. I let it go. Say, I surrender. Say, I surrender. I give it all to you, Lord. I lay it down. Said, I give it all to you. let it go. I want you to do something very bold today because I see, as a preacher, I see, I see people that are saying, "I really want to go down there, but I just, I'm afraid." Would you be bold and be an evangelist right now and look to your neighbor and just tell him, if you want me to go with you, I will go right now. Would you do it? Would you do it, please? Just tell him, don't be uncomfortable about it. Just tell him, I'll go with you. If you need me to, I'll go with you. There's more coming. Here they come. Anybody else? I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Love on your neighbor right now. Be a friend to him. Say, I'll walk down there with you. I surrender. Oh, oh. Give it you. all to you. I lay, lay it down. I let it go. Yeah, yeah. I'll let it go One more time. Say with your hands lifted. Say I surrender, Lord. I surrender. Give it all to you. I'll Give it all. I'm almost done, but I sat in a funeral and put my grandmother in the the grave this past Friday. At the end of the service, I asked the pastor, which was my pastor growing up for 18 years. I said, can I give the altar call? He said, absolutely. I sat there and watched about 40 people. Some of them I knew were not ready. Aunts, uncles, cousins and I pleaded with them. You know, when you when you have family and you've loved your family and you know some of them aren't going to make it unless they make some changes. It can really pull on you. When you love somebody, it's not a burst of emotions. It's... It's a constant. God touched my family. I'm so thankful I've got my brothers and my sister-in-laws, my mom, my dad. All my nieces and nephews, are they perfect? No. But man, they love God. And before we pray for all these people that want to make a decision, do you have people out there that you know you love? And you need them here? Can we get some compassion right now and just begin to pray for them? Father, we call them in right now. God, this is more than a Super Bowl to us today. This is about serving you. It's about calling out. God, we call in our aunts, our uncles. Holy Spirit, do what we cannot do. Jesus, give us compassion, the same compassion you had when you went up on the hill and you saw all of them and you began to weep saying they don't have a shepherd. God, would just send people their way that we can't get to? God, send a preacher, send a person to where they live. Bump into them at the grocery store. Meet them at their line of work and say, I don't know why, but God laid you on my heart, God. Holy Spirit, do what we cannot do. Touch those who we love because we know the time is coming. Even though we're numb to it because we feel like life should just go on. We know there's a day coming. God, we want to see them on that other side. We got enough oil for ourselves, but God, we need them to get some oil. So we pray right now for our families and our friends. Call the names out right now wherever you are. If you've got to whisper it out in the atmosphere, tell, say Holy Spirit. And just say that name. They seem like a lost cause, but God, I know you can turn anything around. You turn me around, you can turn them around.